Hello, everyone. Welcome to Cyber Inspiration Talk. My name is Evgeny. I've been around security for the last 20 years. I have a lot of experience working with a variety of cybersecurity vendors. My main work is vendor consulting and cybersecurity advisory for companies. As part of my passion in technology and cyber, I always intrigued to learn how companies start. I started a podcast to understand the thinking process and what motivated people to start their own company. This podcast is also affiliated with Security Architecture Podcast. I have a pleasure today to talk to Vishal about his journey, and I respect a lot on the work you've been doing, and we'll be always discussing about technology aspects and technology subjects. So I'm really intrigued to hear your story and how you started your own company. So you want to tell us about yourself and how you started? Yeah, absolutely. But even before that, I'll say thank you so much, Evgeny, for all the work you're doing. You are one of the people I actually look up to for advice on, you know, what you think about vendors, how you think things are evolving. So, you know, your advice has always been very useful for me you know, throughout my journey. So thank you so much for that. I'll give you my introduction. My name is Vishwas Manral. I'm the chief technologist at Sky High Security currently. You know, I'm a technologist at heart. I've written some of the core security standards out there, DMVPN, IPsec. I've been, you know, one of the authors of some of the most important TTPs around, say, for containers, MITRE MITRE attack for containers. So I've done a lot of those things, right? And I'm really happy to be here, like I said, to be talking to you, not about Sky High, not about McAfee that actually bought my company, but about NanoSec, you know, a company that I actually founded. So NanoSec started about eight years ago? About seven years ago. That's correct. Seven years ago. Okay. So... Walk us through what was going on in your life that made you start NanoSec. And also sure. maybe before, if you can do a quick elevator pitch, what NanoSec is all about. Sure. So N- NanoSec was basically before this you know, whole movement of containers was becoming very big. Being a, you know, a technologist, I could see that containers are going to grow. And 2014, it wasn't already such a big movement as it is right now, right? So a lot of elevator pitch will look very obvious to you now, which was not the case then, right? So we were seeing containers are growing, which means workloads are going to be moving around in your environments quite a lot. There's a lot of context within the cloud, right? That is held when you are trying to secure your applications, when you're trying to sort of load balance your application, when you are trying to do a lot of things around applications. So there are applications, you have a lot of context in the network. When containers are moving around, that context has to move around with it. And my take was at that time that the containers are, you know, the way the context currently stands or all the technologies that secure the containers or the, you know, do load balancing around the containers is not going to stay in a container world where containers are moving around really fast. And so the idea was, how can we do container security, container protection in an environment where these containers are moving around really fast? And that was the whole idea. So instead of just looking at the container, looking at the context that currently that was at that time sitting on the network, right? But now has to move with workloads moving. How does that context also move with the containers? And that was sort of the crux of the what nanosec did so it was basically about doing container security deeply by looking at the context that is currently that was residing in the network before this all these container security companies came in and how do you sort of move things around that is sort of the high level of where it was now it seems obvious and so you know when i'm saying that it was eight years back and so everything is yeah, yeah now stuff stuff changed very fast in cybersecurity. and Absolutely. what we learned 10 years ago sometimes it's like oh do we still care about this so this is interesting, but okay. But what made you start? What motivated you actually got to this idea to start the company? And if you do it by yourself or with someone? Yeah. So that's a good question, right? So I actually, just like you, I talked to a lot of 
practitioners and that's one very important thing i continuously keep on doing right the idea is i want to continuously understand customers problems and understand what are the pain points they're going through and so when i was working at another startup before this right and it was not nanosec it was another startup that i was working at and i was talking to customers they actually came up with this problem saying you know what we have something called switch walls exactly the same thing that i mentioned there are context that is then the network that are now running through switches and you know network hardware but with the application moving really fast with containers all that context cannot move anymore or cannot be you know these application workloads cannot be secured when applications move this, that fast and so their take was the current solution do not scale they, they called it switch walls at that time you know in context of firewalls and they said mm-hmm. they cannot scale anymore because of the movement and you know can you provide me a solution right and i talked to multiple different customers and everybody seemed to be seeing the problem they didn't know how to solve it and you know that was the perfect case for me saying okay you know what you have this problem i built solutions i am sort of the you know the coder the person who actually creates technology so i'm going to go ahead and build something and that was the sort of the start of nanosec and so i went out you know i in my previous startup i had another we had actually acquired another startup as part of that the startup and you know the founder of that and me we actually came out and built our own sort of you didn't do market research market research came to you and told you we have a problem exactly so so in a way the problem came to me but then i did the market research after right then i went ahead and talked to because you know if three people are saying i just don't want to believe in three people i want to talk to another 20 30 people so i went and talked to you know 30 different people figured out what the pain point was what was the problem what would be a solution that they would they would be willing to adopt and took it forward right and so that was the sort of the path as part of building a solution you also need to know how to sell it so you kind of yes. did the market research you realized people want this but did you knew how to sell it and how to price it because it was relatively new on the market correct and that's a very good question that is where i sort of struggled right and that was my struggle as a startup right i asked people i talked to a lot of people they said yes they'll buy it but my learning right and security especially is security when you start to sell something especially in the beginning it's not about how good the security is about also about how fast you can add value and how soon you can do it seamlessly so what i started building was something what you would call like a service mesh right so building all the you know context like i said of the application and in the service mesh or a proxy you know proxying every connection that came out and came in into the application doing all these interesting things right but then i realized as i move forward right and the, this to your question whether i had asked all these points correctly i had not right and so then i realized while people bought my product they would not be able to deploy it very broadly because it was very painful for them to sort of deploy it. it was a very there was also a very high level of risk right because if you put a proxy in front of every application and traffic is going through it what happens if the proxy fails what happens if you know the proxy doesn't work properly what if you know it can cause dis- business disruption right and so that was the sort of the challenge that i faced and i sort of pivoted started something you know added some other features that could provide value faster and that is what sold better than you know the key idea that we started with which is now gaining traction which is like 8 years since the journey or 7 and a half years since the journey i guess pivoting is part of the journey as well Absolutely. but before we go to the pivoting part i'm wondering so you got an idea you did market research did you went to raise money did you hire the team like what was the next steps yeah so so from so so the two parts to it right? uh, because this is an interview and i'm sure a lot of you know people who have actually built stuff or who are looking to build stuff are going to be looking at it so let me not just tell you what my journey was but tell you what i think now after going through the journey what is the best 
way to do it right from my perspective the best way to move forward is first identifying the pain point and identifying the pain point is very important and i'll tell you this right when i talk to people almost everybody because you know i have good relations i have built technologies before everybody says yeah the pain point is important yes i like it in a lot of cases when you are building this thesis right of what a pain point is you actually have to go counter to your own example right or your own product saying hey you are saying you're going to buy my product why don't you why won't you buy the product from company x or y or z because that's also doing something similar right in a lot of cases you have to go counter to that product saying you know what tell me this i'll give you examples of this right like in a lot of cases i have to actually ask people you're going to buy me this buy this product what are three reasons you're not going to buy the product when what are, you know what so in a way going counter and i'll give you another example that i heard from another founder right so this is you know after you do a pitch to a customer say i really like your product and of course there's a lot of you know they also feel you know this guy's good and you know there's all that angle also right so then instead of saying okay let's have another meeting now you sometimes say okay let's have a meeting in next 6 months and if the customer says yes that tells you that you know customer is not really serious because you know it is a problem maybe but it's not as serious a problem so you have to actually wow, have this customer is, asking yes, for the problem this is for the genius stuff absolutely so this is the learning i had after going through the journey this is not what i did when i started the journey right and so these are the learnings that i'm sort of trying to share not just with you but hopefully to all your audience because you know this is sort so of well. so important and this become the problem especially for people coming out of either big companies or who created some technology and so on right people will generally say yes this guy is a good guy and you know i'm not going to say bad things even if i think it may be you know, people uh, don't wrong. like to give negative feedback people exactly. say yes and they will drag you forever instead of say sorry give me much we don't want to do this exactly so you have to get that negative feedback by sort of prodding them and helping them give that negative feedback versus getting that feedback 2 years later after you build the product and then you realize oh no this guy would not buy it because this other person was supposed to be involved or oh, it's too hard or they have to get 20 other certifications before they're going to use it or, or you know whatever reason maybe so kind of this is very good advice but i'm still wondering on the price perspective how it was to price the product because it wasn't traditional the number of users throughput is but is a bit different correct so the way we were looked at it was the number of clusters or resources that we were sort of protecting is how we would price it it was a pain point certainly for enterprises because security teams are trying to secure the you know your container workloads or your cloud workloads and so on right the problem for them is security team do not know how many clusters they themselves have so they want a pricing model that is more fitting their traditional enterprise model which says you give me an annual pricing right i don't want a usage based pricing or how many resources i use or how many you secure it's more flexible license more flexible so then a way to do it is you know probably bucketize those uh, things right maybe if you up to 1000 contain 1000 clusters right or so much scanning if you do then i'm going to charge you like this and so it becomes it's not totally on a usage basis but it's not totally on a sort of a you know flat uh, price which is what enterprise are used to okay so you now have a product now you're working on it how about how was hiring people so hiring has never been a pain point for me right one of the things that i've seen and this is a learning that i have seen right if pe- people work with you if they think you are going to you're going to help them benefit them right for most parts if you've done something people are willing to jump in right it, it can be a pain point if people are not able to trust you and that's that can be an issue first time when you are first time doing something or doing something new it's going to be a pain point because you have to convince somebody who is has a cushy job has getting you know millions of dollars somewhere telling him hey you know you jump out of this place and jump in with me where you're not guaranteed a salary the salary that you're already getting the stocks may be valued at zero soon 
So hiring becomes challenging, right? If you've done it before, it's easier. But the most important thing in this case is you yourself have to be convinced that, you know, what you're building is something that people will require. Only then can you show that confidence to others, right? If you are yourself not convinced, it's very hard for others to be convinced with you and jump on the journey with you, right? And so from my perspective, hiring has not been a challenge. It's like people actually continuously tell me, hey, Vishwas, when are you starting your next one? I'm ready to jump in kind of thing, right? So, it's all so right. in this case, mm-hmm. what happened in the company mm-hmm. that showed you you're on the right path? Because in the beginning, you had a lot of positive, but then you started to build. And I'm guessing it's not always everything pink and nice. There probably were some challenges. So the, my learning has been, right, is the revenues that actually tell you whether you're in the right path or not. And for meetings, I think I already gave you feedback and early feedback, you have to go reverse, right? Then only you know whether you're in the right path or not. If the customer himself is telling you, Hey, Vishwas, I really need this product. And you, when you tell him, I'm going to have a meeting in six months, he says, no, no, I'm, I don't, I'm not ready to wait for six months. I want to come and get this meeting next three months. Or if you tell him, you know, the things like, you know, I'm going to charge you so much. Are you willing to? And he says, yes, I'm going to pay for your product, right? If you have to build the product, that's when I know, you know, I'm on a successful path, right? So in a lot of cases, revenue, the revenue gives you the feedback. The actual feedback is all revenues, right? But, you know, that comes in much later. For the early part of feedback, you have to actually counter question your customers, check for revenues, you know, check for guarantee of revenues. Are you ready to pay so much? Are you ready to give money beforehand? Are you ready to sort of, you know, wait for so long, right? Kind of thing is where is what gives you confidence. Does that make sense? As, yes. As being an entrepreneur, you probably have a lot of different tasks to do. What was your magic about manipulating and doing the most more important task or delegating tasks to make sure you're not just kind of cover with multiple tasks and not driving? And that's a very important question, especially for entrepreneurs, because we are sort of so deep into technology, so deep into a product. In a lot of cases, we feel like, you know, we feel that everybody else should be knowing about the product, understand the product just the same way and doing exactly what we want. And so it's hard for you to let go, but that's so important in a startup to scale a startup, right? You have to be able to find leaders who are multiple times or, you know, just as good as you are, maybe multiple times, who are willing to take the jump with you. That's so important. So finding all these leaders who you, who can work for you, who are going to be able to sort of take up the task, because once you give up that responsibility and you trust the person, you are good, right? You're not going to be double guessing the person. So if it's a product manager, you don't have to go back and say, hey, why are you pro- uh, creating this product? Or why is this part of the roadmap? Once you trust the person, it's all good. So that's very important. Hiring the right people and giving them responsibility is sort of critical. And once that happens, then you don't have as many tasks. Then you, the list of tasks you prioritize, right? You could say every day, and this is what I do, right? Every day saying, these are my tasks for, uh, these are my three tasks that I'm going to achieve this week. These are three tasks I'm going to achieve today. These are three tasks I'm going to achieve in my next quarter, right? Based on that, I prioritize. And prioritization, there's another very important angle. When you are prioritizing, you have to look at not just what you want to prioritize, but also things that are important that you're going to give away. Because in a lot of cases, that's the problem with like time and tasks, right? Like if you want to do too many things because you know everything is priority. You have to be able to figure out what are the important things that you can do away with and you can only do three things as an example in a day or a week or a quarter so that's that's sort of an important part of the task prioritizing things regularly finding the right employees who can sort of take up more responsibility and 
go independently where you do not have to handhold them on a daily basis and so very painful thing for a founder i'll say because you know as founders you are like oh man this is what i thought this is how the product should be you are doing something totally wrong or you know engineers you're not building it to the way i thought you should build it right but you know you have to let go and let the system take care of itself so let's kind of go deeper on the task on people and kind of give other people to do the things is there is a magic is there a system is there like a crm is there is some kind of other to-do list that you know how you can manage tasks easier and delegate easier so from my perspective you know and this is what has been used more broadly generally you know daily scrum jajiras you sort of prioritize tasks on a daily basis what you're going to do today week month and you know move forward that's where it is and you talk to your reports on a daily basis say hey, what are you going to be achieving today what are you achieving on a weekly basis right and move forward there that's how i would say things are sort of prioritized okay fair if you can go back in time and give advice to yourself when you started nano what is the advice you will do so from my perspective yeah i think you know and this is this is also to the co-founder question right and my take is a startup journey is a very lonely journey when you're working alone right it's a hard journey you have employees but you know you also have to keep them motivated you can't tell them everything and so getting a co-founder is just is so important so if i was to look at it finding a co-founder is important but then you also have to find the co-founder who has just the level of passion as you are who has the list, just the level of you know interest that you have see in a lot of cases you find co-founders who already achieved a lot if you find that kind of a co-founder they may not have the same level of fire and you know energy as you have because you know you are sort of still trying to make it big these guys have already made it bigger than them and that happened to me in one of the found, companies i founded so people would not come to office in certain cases right because they already made their you know millions of dollars they were already in public company boards as an example and they would not come to office and my take was hey i am a founder and the other founder not coming in and you know it was a very messy situation that's the reason at nanosec when i started i was more careful about the founder but i still made mistakes there and so i would say if I, there's one learning i would say find a good co-founder who has the same level of energy who has the same level of passion and a similar path a similar you know part in the journey so if in your life journey they are in a similar place if they're too far ahead then you're going to have issues if they're too far behind you may have issues okay let's go deeper in this case okay. so we're not going to talk about how far they are in a journey but we're going to talk about their personality okay. some people are very detail oriented some people have to go from a to z some people will jump around and it's all different is the founder have to be similar to you from personality perspective or it have to be different this way you guys will have a healthy kind of challenge to each other to make sure you're not going to the wrong direction yeah so so i would say two parts one is the personality wise the founder should be could be similar but the skill set should be different in my view the skill sets have to be different otherwise you're doing the same thing or similar thing right so you want somebody who can challenge you who can who can do things that you cannot do yourself if you're doing getting a co-founder that's doing the same thing it's going to be a challenge right and that's one thing i have seen the other thing with the co-founder that i find is important is and this is a very important lesson that i learned right there are different sets of people who can who are good at founding company and different sets of people who are good at scaling companies and if you talk to founders of these large companies they'll say you know for finding a product market fit we have a different team for getting from product market fit to scaling i have a different team and then there's the optimization phase in large companies right and we have different teams for that in fact a lot of times they fire all the team that they have at each stage and go ahead right so from my perspective you need a different kind of people who are at the founding stage and my take is 
those people have a breadth of knowledge they may not be like totally deep into one small thing and be you know oh i know how to program manage as an example that doesn't help in a startup because you have to do multiple different things right sometimes you know a coder may have to go and talk to customers right or and so on so you need people who are slightly broader who are interested in the technology as an example if you are looking at a co-founder right who can code but who can also be talking externally right so you have to sort of find those kinds of people who are fitting the first complementing your skill set but then you know have a slightly broader skill set and a fit for a you know a startup versus you know something for for a large company as an example fair we're going to switch topics totally different people we're going to switch topics we're going to talk about dark side whatever everybody is still listening please continue listening and if you like the show comment share tell your friends the dark side is open to the public there is an idea to potentially make it to full patrons only but for now it's public open for everyone So we're not talking about what went wrong, what went not as you expected, because I think we realized nothing actually going all the way, all always good. So tell us some stories. You don't have to mention names about you know POCs that went bad, experiences, raising money, whatever you think it's relevant that may have people understand the challenges into being an entrepreneur. Correct. Like I said, the challenges in every phase. I would say I've. Now, being an entrepreneur, I've probably fallen more times than anybody else, right? I've made more mistakes, and that's the key part of being an entrepreneur: challenging yourself. Right? You do new things only when you are ready to sort of go out of your comfort zone. And when you're going to go out of your comfort zone, you're going to fall and fail. The key challenges I've had, right? Like on, like like you said, funding. Right? Funding has been, you know, often I find, right? Founders when they're looking at funding, what they try to do is they try to sell the VC the product, right? Saying, hey, this is the product I'm going to make. Customers want this, and good. We, for most part the thing we see is the venture capitalist is the expert at the technology and they understand the product and so on for most part these venture capitalists are very broad people they are investing in fintech but they are also investing in health tech they are investing in technology security they invest so they do not know everything for most parts they are learning by just talking to people and hearing pitches from you know other entrepreneurs so what you have to do when you are talking to a vc and this is one learning that i have seen work very well in fact some founders that i gave this advice they actually came back to me saying hey vishwas thanks to your advice we actually raised 5 million right without anything and the key thing that i will tell you is sell opportunity not the product vcs are not people who are who understand the product so if you tell them this is the opportunity it's a trillion dollar market or billion dollar market i have these customers who are ready to pay and i'm going to be building this independent of you if you want to jump in this is a big opportunity for you you may miss the opportunity vc will say hey this is exactly what i want but if you go ahead and say you know this is the product this is the technology this is how it works vc will say okay this sounds good let me connect you with my chief product officer of this company and he will tell you you know he'll tell me whether it's good and when the, you talk to the chief product officer the chief product officer doesn't now of some big company he doesn't want to risk saying yes or no because you know he doesn't know everything himself right so the way he would give his answer is yes for something but you know also there are some issues and so the funding never really happens unless you do these things right so from my perspective you have to sell the opportunity tell them why it is important and how they can make the money because we see that after all looking after dollars falling from the sky yeah. with you know all green bills everywhere that's all they are looking for so if you can talk to them in their language and explain it to them they would be willing to fund you That's, so so this is the challenge you learned in your own way in my own way exactly i learned on that my own way right and in fact when i first started going for a fundraise i had all sorts of challenge and then after i sort of took this approach i'll tell you the first meeting itself and i'll not give you name like you said 
within 35 minutes i had somebody said hey i'll put in money in your company and the only difference was i was doing the same thing the only difference was i went with an attitude saying i'm going to show you where the dollars are instead of saying you know something i'm i went in with the attitude saying i understand exactly the market you may not understand it right as a vc and trying to help them understand the market and it actually worked interesting very good advice as you mentioned as part of the life it's all a lot of up and down and sometimes it's very harsh and you also mentioned sometimes a very lonely journey is there as a way for you to cope with this problem meditation running films i don't know whatever it is how do you deal with stress and how you deal with failures potentially yeah i mean stress is a constant part of my startup journey i had zero gray hair and now my hair is like half gray right it was all before you know after like i said started after i started the company nanosec so that was there the things that i do are taking a step back and thinking where i am in the journey what did i start off with do i still believe in those principles and you know i actually believing in and looking at it that, those are sort of been key for me and then one important as, aspect that i'll bring up right for in, a startup is a lonely place like you said the key thing is the people who succeed in startups and this is my learning right are people who enjoy the journey not the destination if you're trying to get to the destination somehow 6 months later you'll realize oh man i was getting a you know x million dollars in this company and here my salary is 1 1/5th of it and there's no guarantee of shares and the customers are now saying you know they don't like the product 6 months back they were saying they like the product you know and it's going to be a regular thing enjoying the journey is important but then also having a clear conviction of why you are going about this and how you are going about it and whenever you have this feeling of hey am i really doing the right thing going back to that sort of state of mind saying okay why did i start this did i actually take this into account i knew this was coming so why didn't i account for it all? and then sort of cools you down distresses you because you're then seeing the bigger picture right then okay yes there are these day to day ups and downs and they don't affect you as much that that's the way i look at it it's a very good way to put it thank you very much the anti gas you want to add i think there was a lot of good advice here today absolutely i mean i love to talk to founders i've been you know i, I can tell you i advise probably 50 founders maybe more you know they keep coming to me i keep giving the same set of advice and my main learning has been like i said right like for technology founders right especially which is where the, most of the companies start i feel they get too bold over by technology versus a customer pain point and trying to solve things in a very technologically unique way versus solving something that may be easy to solve but it's may not be so technic technologically challenging i feel a lot of technology founders miss that aspect they feel oh this anybody can do it and you know why should somebody you know why should i start a startup for that right and that's a regular thing i'll give you the example of my own right when i started nanosec right i went into the, all these container thing but the at the same time we are seeing all these cspm companies come up right the cloud security question mm-hmm. and my take was in the previous company that i had right i was already running you know what you call security mage open source cspm tool it was already giving me all the issues right and i was like okay why are these people starting this company it's so easy to build and just run that tool and everything works i get all my you know users that are admins in aws cloud i know all the resources that are open to the internet and so on why would somebody use it but then i realized right in a big company it's not just about the tool it's also about integrating with the process that right? they need pci reports as an example they want to be able to scale it up because their their environment scale is thousands of accounts versus tens of account that you're used to and you know they don't want to put people trying to help scale security products right because this is an open source they just taken so those are all sorts of learning that i went through when i when i first did this nanosec journey right so my advice is focus on the customer problem 
do not focus necessarily on the technology alone right and so that that's very important and you know i've seen lots of companies do that and fail thank you thank you for joining today and i think everybody will find your advice very valuable absolutely thank you so much evgeny everyone is listening thank you for joining us today and we'll get back to you in the next episode thank you